Okay, so politics. I don't know how I got talked into this. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I signed up for this and I agreed. And then I got to this week and I was like, oh, I'm really going to talk more about politics. But I trust God has something for us here. <laughs> if you're like me, you've heard or seen about 5 million political ads in the last few months. And by now, you might just be beat down into indifference. <laughs> and if you go home and you watch football this afternoon, there'll probably be more time spent on political ads than football. I think it's true now. And especially if your team scores a touchdown, and then they do a commercial break, and then they do the extra point, and then they do a commercial break, and then they do a kickoff, and then they do a commercial break, and then there's a snap. I think it'll be like... 20 minutes of political ads in between two plays of football. For your sake, I hope you bought TiVo or something like that before you watch your game and you can hit skip about 50 times. But if you're in that boat, I do have a message of hope. The election is over in three days and all those ads will go away. No matter who gets elected, it'll be over. And you can get back to your regular scheduled ads for beer and raccoons cooking <laughs> and cars, and whatever nonsense is on TV. Plenty of it. Well, like I said, I'll be honest, I'm not a political buff by any means. I would rather tune it out and catch that football game usually. And I'm often left with a question, why should I care? Does it really matter if Proposition 5000, the greatest one ever, passes? Does it matter who sits on the congressional seat? Is there really a positive outcome that can come from electing one of these people on the ballot? I might just be a pessimist. My wife tells me that all the time. So I will give that as a caveat. But those things go through my mind. Um, but as I prayed about it this week, some things did strike me. And it starts with this. Might God want us to be engaged with bringing good into the world? I think he would. And might that extend somehow into politics? Might politics bring something good into the world? And so I chewed through that a little bit. Um, and today I just really want to talk about stewardship a little bit and how that might extend into politics, it might extend into our role in politics. And let's pray here and then we'll jump into that. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you that we're together here. We thank you we get to worship you. Thank you we get to hear from your word. We pray you'd bless this time. We pray you'd redeem this country, really, God. We're talking about our country. We're talking about how we can be good stewards. We're talking about an election coming up in just a few short days. God, we pray you'd help us. Just give us a framework of how we might view our role in it. Um, God, there's probably not profound insight here other than to say, God, we're looking to you and we want to know how can we honor you? How can we bring your will into this? We just pray you give us any wisdom and you'd redeem the time here. Amen. And so like I said on this topic of stewardship, we can go to the first slide there, but as a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
God wants us each to bring good into the world as much as we're able. And so God calls us to be good stewards of everything he puts in our care. And stewards just taking care of or managing what he gives us and doing it in a way that honors him. And that verse on there, Genesis 2.15, really goes back to this verse. And God makes man and he sets him in the garden. And it says, The Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And so God has made this wonderful creation and somehow God takes man and says, you look after it and you keep it, tend it, make it fruitful, make it good. Bring good into the world through the work of your hands. And Adam had this choice. Would he lay there like a slug? Would he go swimming in the river? Or would he tend the land like God had asked him? Would he steward everything God had put in his care? And as we extrapolate this to our day, stewardship extends into a lot of areas in our life. Your parents, it extends into stewarding your family and doing it in a way that honors God, to teach the word of God and to discipline and love them. If you have a salary, God gives you some amount of money and says, you manage this and steward it in a way that honors me. Tithe and give money back to me and provide for your family, give to the poor. Do we bring good into the world through our money? And it goes to a lot of areas, but today we're really talking about politics. How does this tie in? One of the ways is just that we live in a country that's a democracy, and we each as a citizen have a stewardship and responsibility in it. Every ballot measure is passed or failed by the vote of the citizens in a city or state, and together we shape our city So instead of just giving total power to Governor Hickenlooper or Mayor Hancock, it's not like Emperor Hancock down at the the city there. We vote them in and we vote on measures and we vote for all those things. And God gives us some stewardship and responsibility. And when God gives stewardship and responsibility, he calls us to give an account someday for how we manage that. And when our country was founded, I believed it worked and it had God's blessing on it because largely good Christian men knew how to fulfill God's responsibility in their life. And that went into their voting and how they thought. To vote, in those really early days, you had to be a landowner. And it meant you were an employer of people, likely to tend your land, You were a husband, you were a father, you worked hard, you protected your family, you might have built your house with your bare hands. And these were good Christian men that feared God and brought good into all those arenas. And when they came together to vote, they represented the best for the country, the best for their family, the best for the town and their employees. And they brought that weight of stewardship and responsibility into how they voted and to how they viewed it. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying they were all perfect then, and there's good movements that have brought the ability for everyone to vote. And those are all good things for everyone to vote, regardless of gender and race and economic status. But what it does is it puts on each of us this weight of stewardship. 
we need to bring that good about where we're thinking of people, where we're thinking about God's intention in it to the way we vote. And part of that weight of stewardship is that God will judge how well we honor him. And traditionally, I think this has been a country that has been under God's blessing. And really, we've had an incredible season of economic fruitfulness and blessing for most of our history. We've had relative peace other than a few years here and there. We've had a military that's one of the world powers, even though there's countries out there with much larger populations. And it comes down to this, that God will bless the nations and honor him. Psalm 33, 12 said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. This nation made God its Lord. Our forefathers came here to worship freely and they set up a government that was predicated on the fact that people feared God. God. They didn't need a king to set morality. They didn't need a king to define what family was, what marriage was. They would use the Bible as the authority and set up a government that allowed them to vote that authority into being and give it authority in areas. And God would bless that nation because it honored him. The Ten Commandments are still printed on the wall of the U.S. Supreme Court, representing that God's word is ultimately the greatest authority. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And as we look at the landscape of our nation today, I think it's fair to ask, are we still a nation whose God is the Lord anymore? And if it becomes true that we're a nation that sees ourselves as the ultimate authority, there are consequences to that. The next slide there, God will destroy the nation that exalts itself. Jeremiah 18. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, Can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil, And refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, This is what the Lord says I am planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. God said he would judge the nation. This was Israel, that he was like the potter, and it was the clay, and he formed that nation. It's kind of haunting if God would talk about Israel in that way. I do believe God's hand of blessing has been on this country, but in no way does that compare to the blessing God has for his chosen nation of Israel. 
And God was willing to talk about them in this light. God has allowed this nation to exist and to have his blessing. But truly as clay in his hands. And God will judge the nations. It seemed impossible to think in in some of the Bible times that the mighty Babylonian empire could be judged and fall. But it did. And the Roman Empire ruled the world and looked so mighty. But they were far from God and ultimately judged. And there's some specific things that come to my mind that just put a nation in jeopardy on the next slide there. And particularly one like ours that really said we're going to be a nation that honors God. And it says in God we trust on our money, and we have the Ten Commandments in the Supreme Court. Does the nation seek God? Does the nation worship idols? Do they put things in the creation or other ideas ahead of God's word and what it says on sin? Does it start to keep the Bible out of politics and say that's off on the side keep that in church we're doing politics does the nation support Israel I'm not going to go into that totally but there's some blessings and curses God talks about if other nations would support his chosen nation I don't think those have gone away it's still a good thing to support Israel but if those things stop happening I think a country loses God's blessing as I understand it. And I want to shift it a little bit because this is a little bit where our personal stewardship comes in. And God is going to judge this nation and every nation, good or bad. But at some point, we as Christians are each going to be judged for our participation in that. And some specific things I want to bring up on the next slide there to think about. What am I approving with my vote? Romans 1.28 Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And this is the part I think is key for us. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give a hearty approval to those who practice them. We know that doing wicked things displeases God. We call it sin. We fall short of God's standards. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Your eyes, about the Lord, are too pure to look upon evil. And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. 
God can't look on wickedness. He can't be a part of it. He can't have favor towards wickedness. But that verse on the screen indicates that somehow God's approval goes beyond did I sin or not? Did I do something wicked? Was I involved with that? But did I approve it? Was I okay with it going on around me? So I'd ask you to consider that as part of your filter looking at your ballot as you vote this week. Does this amendment please Christ? Does it uphold his word? Are there any clear teachings that speak to this? That needs to be the ultimate authority of which things come from. And there's some pretty significant measures on our ballot which have clear biblical teachings that should govern our thinking. And one day God's going to ask us, did you uphold my word in the way you voted, Brad? I know the country went wherever. It may, it may come and, and continue on to the Lord. It may go off the rails. But I know I'm going to give an account. Did you uphold my word in where you had dominion, where you had a vote? I think another thing I'm convicted on is also my voting with my pocketbook. I will confess that my most common struggle when I look down the poll is to run down on every amendment and go, do I get money from that one? Nope. Does that one help me? Nope, I don't make enough. Does that one help me? Nope, I make too much. Does that one help me? Mm, I don't have kids there. And I go down, I filter it through that, and I end. Oh, I don't smoke, tax them. That's great. And that's kind of how it goes. If I can get something free, I like it. If I'm paying for someone else, I don't. I remember a quote from high school, one of those history classes that I made it to, <laughs> that... A democracy would ultimately fail once people realized they could vote money out and it would start to govern their vote based on what benefits me rather than what benefits the nation. And people just start to vote with their wallet and say, ooh, that person's promising something that helps me and the whatever class. That person's giving money for this or if you have kids or you work or you both work or one works or however you slice it. You start to vote that way. You know, when our nation started, the government was held in balance doing some very specific things. It would set the law. It would enforce the law. It would defend the country from outsiders. You know, we didn't even have a government welfare system until Great Depression-ish, 1930 or so. A century and a half without that. And it was because people in the country showed compassion and churches upheld their God-given responsibility. And so we'd pay taxes into the government to do some very specific things. And fast forward 250 years, we've elevated the government to do a lot of things that are biblically are the responsibility of parents or churches or the society. Helping the poor, educating entertaining, retirement. You're not going to find a Bible verse saying set up a government to do those things for you. We're supposed to do it as parents or the church. We're supposed to take care of those things. 
but we've handed it over to the government and elevated it and said, take care of all those areas. And then ultimately we start to vote in a way that those things benefit us the most with our money. And so somehow, as we pick up our ballot this week, we need to zoom out a little bit beyond just, does this measure put money in my ballot? And first need to ask questions like, does it align with God's word morally? Is this an arena God really gives authority to the government to do or should be handled by someone else that I should be doing as a parent or we should be doing as a church or somewhere else? So those are a couple of things just to think about that might help or help me just filter how am I going to vote? I do have one last question just to wrap up the time, which is who are we trusting in? this political season. I was reviewing some campaign slogans from the last five or six presidential elections. I put a few up there. Change we can believe in. Hope. Stronger together. Make America great. And really these campaign slogans are about giving people hope that our country would be better with that person in office. And certainly there's probably candidates that would be better than others and take us somewhere. But a lot of these get at, are we really hoping in that candidate to take our nation somewhere? So I'd ask you, Christian, this season, who are you putting your trust in for the hope of our nation? And the next slide, I just have two things to keep in mind. The first is that God ultimately appoints kings or elected officials. Daniel 2.21 says, It is he, speaking of God, who changes the times and epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Funny to talk about kings when we're voting it is, but God establishes all of those in authority and all authority is ultimately delegated from someone. God has all authority and says, Mr. President or Mrs. President, you can have this authority. I give it to you to be a steward. But in the end, it's still God's authority to grant It's God's authority to take back. It's God's system to destroy. The second principle to remember is that God rules the nations. Psalm 22, 28. For the kingdom is the Lord's. He rules over the nation. God rules over all the nations. He establishes them, whether they honor him now or not. God grants that authority for a nation to exist. He lets the sun rise on one. He lets the sun set on another. It's not the size of the military or the strength of manufacturing on our soil or even the quality of our leaders. It's the blessing of God that ultimately will determine our success. And the last thing to consider is that Jesus is the only hope of our nation. Psalm 146. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. 
His spirit departs, he returns to the earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. And so I'd urge you, regardless of how good or appealing any politician may sound, We can't put our trust in man this election season. Our only hope is in heaven. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ. I've been reminded to pray for our country. Really, we should be all the time. We're told to pray for those in governing authorities, positions of authority over us. But it seems so urgent right now. Some things I'm praying for, just that we, the church, would uphold God's standards in the way we vote and honor God. I'm praying that those that are appointed into office this week would be good stewards of the authority that's granted to them by God, as the people God wants there would get there. There's There's somehow 22 options to vote for for president. I didn't know that until I saw my ballot. I'm not sure who a lot of those are. But none of them are the hope of our nation. God is our only hope. And so I ask you today, pray that God would help you be a good steward of the responsibility you have. Remember that we're each going to give an account for the way we vote, what we approve, and pray that God would be our hope and truly the Lord of our nation this election season. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you we are in America where you give us some stewardship and responsibility and participation in the government. Let's pray you'd help each of us Take the weight of that seriously. Just be in prayer about how we can honor you with the way we pencil in our ballot. Not tune out or throw up our hands, but be involved in a way that honors you. We do pray you would redeem this nation. God, help it return to the ancient paths of honoring you and honoring the Ten Commandments and honoring your word in the way our nation is governed. We pray you'd have your hand on it. Help us each be involved with prayer to you this week and in the gospel. We just pray for your kingdom to come on earth in America as it is in heaven this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.